how many team members am I going to need? Who's going to do what? And how can I get my faces out of some of these spaces? This is the Contractor Momentum Podcast. If you don't have an org chart posted on the wall of your office, you need to listen to this episode. And even if you do, I'm sure you're going to love this conversation with Mike Nikolai of Triton Air. Mike, welcome to the Contractor Momentum Podcast. Thank you so much, Corey. Glad to be here. Why don't you give our listeners your overview, man? Where are you located? What's your business model? Yeah, so we're based out of San Clemente, California. It's kind of right in between LA and San Diego, smack dab in the middle on the coast. Nice area. Oh yeah, I love it here. Beautiful, great weather. Not the best place to open a heating and air conditioning business. I don't know (laughs) whose idea that was, but simply because the uh, average temperature is 70 degrees here, And the license plate frames in San Clemente actually say the greatest climate on the planet. (laughs) No way. Well, well, even in the greatest climate on the planet, I know you've built an operation of scale. Tell us more about your operation. How many people you got on staff? How many trucks on the road? Yeah, so we have about 45 people on staff. We've got about 25 vehicles on the road. We're currently at about 9.4 million in sales. And yeah. So that's a little background on our our business and the size. Nice. And the name of your business is? It's Triton Air. Triton Air. Okay. We hadn't gotten that quite, we hadn't quite gotten that far. We kind of skipped over it, however you want to say it. But yeah, $9.4 million a year in annual revenue in the greatest climate on the planet. Yes, sir. That's That's, That's awesome. So are you guys primarily on the residential side of things, residential and commercial? What's the mix look like? Yeah, so right now we're doing most of our work by revenue is going to be residential. We're about, we are in the Costco program. So we do have sales that go through that. So most of our, most of our sales are, are going to be through equipment replacement. So I want to say we're looking at about 75% of our revenue is going to be based off of equipment sales. And then about 10% of our revenue is going to be based off of, or 20% is going to be based off of, I would say, repair and service, somewhere around there. And then we have maintenance that, that falls in there as well. So those are kind of, that's kind of our mix. We do commercial and residential, and they're, they're about even, even Stephen as far as service goes. So about 10% each. Real quick, what is the Costco program? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, so basically Costco has vendors that they work with and they approached us probably about eight years ago, seven years ago. And they said, hey, we would, we would love it if you were a part of the Costco program. And so I'm like, okay, tell me more about that. And before they had come and spoken with me, we had just done a, a home show down, there's a pier here in San Clemente. And we had done a home show down there called the Sea Fest. And, you know, we had a little booth down there and we did about $35,000, $40,000 in sales based off of that home show. And it was just one day. And so they approached me and they said, Hey, we would love for you to be in our store. And the first thing that entered my mind was, okay, I just spent one day at a home show. We did about 35 to 40 grand in sales. You're telling me I get to sit in a kiosk have one of a representative in the in a kiosk at Costco seven days a week, basically sitting, smiling, and you know, introducing ourselves and our services to the community. Seemed like a no-brainer to me. So that's that's the direction we went. So it's essentially it's a retail program where we partner with Costco. We have a representative in there and 
we are, are essentially the contractor for Costco. And we're currently in two warehouses and it's been great. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard of it. So just to clarify, you guys get an actual kiosk in Costco and you've got somebody in there basically all open hours. Does Costco charge you for the kiosk? Do they take a cut out of it? How does that actual compensation work? Or how does the money change hands there? Right, right. So yeah, Costco gets a cut of the sale, basically, is the way that works. They don't charge us for floor space or anything like that. And as far as as far as the partnership goes, it's really it's really a very positive partnership. The way they, they run their business parallels the way my philosophy is on business and how to treat people, how to treat customers. And it's kind of a, a people first, profits follow mentality, which I really appreciate. So we're good partners and we do really well in the program. This year, I, I believe we got third place in the nation and that's here in little old San Clemente. So pretty much for every year we've been in the program, we've been in the top 10 in the nation. Wow. And good. Roughly, what is the, I mean, what is their take on it? Is it a percentage commission? It's a, it's a percentage. Yeah. Percentage. Can you give us any range on that or any specific numbers like 10 to 20? I don't know if that's classified or <laughs> okay. they, they might frown if I start sharing. Too okay. Much. I understand. But it economically works out well for you. Yeah. They don't set the prices. Okay. So you set the prices and you're in that kiosk and people walk by and stop? Or is this like a branding thing? They recognize you as the Costco company? Both. So we are, we do have, that. they do grant us the ability to sit there with a, a logo shirt that says Triton Air. And we have a representative in there seven days a week. And basically they recognize us as the Costco HVAC contractor. So I've grown up in this community my entire life. So I know a lot of people in the community. They know Triton Air quite well. And so it's a great partnership. It works out very, very well. Works out really well for them and works out really well for us. It's, it's great. Yeah, this, this whole thing sounds intriguing. You already hinted at it, but I believe the whole thing is national or is this just part of a national program? It's a national program. Okay, yeah. So it's actually international. I think they do it in Canada as well. Wow, that is very interesting. Now, do you ever run into competition from other people trying to get into the Costco space in your area or is Costco pretty well locked to you? Do you hear that? I hear him knocking on my door right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. answer that if you need to. No, no, no. That was <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah, they're, they're knocking on our door all the time. I'm sure yeah. they. there's a lot of people that would like to get into the space for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. So what does your kiosk look like in the Costco booth? So just recently, they, they're wanting to create more of a consistent look. But traditionally, what we had is we would have just a condenser, which we turned into a table, basically. We call them, we call them client generators. They call them lead generators. I'm a little more optimistic. <laughs> so we turn that into a table that the client generator can sit at and, and kind of rest his arm on. And we have a furnace there with the fan running with some, you know, create attention and, yeah. and thermostat display and, and all that. And so that's, it's, it's pretty simple. And then there's a backdrop there that they have a kiosk with literature and things like that. Flyers, we need to hand them out. Beyond that, since you've got the kiosk model down pat, do you still do a lot of home shows? We don't. No? We just did our first one since I've been in the Costco program. We just did our first one this year, and it was great. Yeah, but it's, it's funny because we've been, you know, with Costco, it was a big influence 
taking on, we were, we're growing significant for me. You know, one year we grew by 70%. And so there was a lot of expansion through the program because we worked the program very hard and very well. And so because of that, it, it generates a lot. So now we're, now we're looking to get more diversified in our mix. Yeah. Would you say that Costco is your biggest, I guess, advertisement source or your biggest? It is currently our, we call it Costco versus Triton, you could say. So we've got, we've got our Triton lead source and we've got our Costco lead source. So right now, Costco is the main lead source for us. And now we're growing the Triton side. That's awesome. My head is just running with ideas because now I'm thinking about like, all right, we can put a screen enclosure display at a landscape and garden center and have an associate there around the clock. This is really interesting, Mike. Thank you for sharing this. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. I know any you can you can network with a ton of different retail marketplaces. You know, I'm sure you've seen HVAC. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't in Florida, but they have. They have it through Home Depot and they have it through Lowe's. Both those programs work differently than Costco a little bit. And we, we have decided not, we've elected not to participate in those programs at this time, just simply because we didn't want to get too retail heavy. And we wanted to make sure that Triton can stand on its own without. Yeah, build your own brand. I mean, there's, there, there's nothing more valuable than building your own brand, but these you know, I don't want to say retailers, but big major brands that are kind of dabbling in it with whether that's Costco, Home Depot, Amazon, Google, they, you know, they do pull in, I don't want to say they pull in some volume. They can do that. And there's a lot of customers that go through these platforms and that's growing. I've been saying that, you know, we cannot avoid it. You cannot pretend like you don't need Home Advisor, Home Depot, Google, Amazon. Like you can't pretend like these things are just going to go away. If you do that, you are like a hotel company in the early 2000s when Orbitz and Expedia and all those things were coming along. Like, you're going to go away. <laughs> you're going away, not them. You know, you have to embrace it, but you have to use them to pull people into your brand and retain them as a customer for life and get them on back-end sales beyond, you know, whatever you pay for that initial lead for. If you take a lead from Home Advisor, it's a $60 lead, which isn't in Comcom. Actually, that might even be low in some markets and some trades. You know, you spend $60 on that lead, you get a $400 service call. You need to stay in front of that customer, remarket, with, remarket to them, connect with them, follow up on the back end, and then take them up the product ladder. And that's one of the things we've been very successful doing in my company. I'm happy to say that. Yeah, and you can look at it different ways. You know, you can, you can view your retail partner as an advertising source. That's how we've laid it out on the P&L. So we actually, anything that goes to Costco for the sale, we, we just put that in as advertising instead of above the line. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's essentially what it is. And yeah. we're at a point in time now where it's time to seriously start looking at retail partners, big brand partners, big brand, big brand, I don't whatever you want to call them. We all know who we're talking about here. You know, big names that are trying to get into in between the contractor and the customer. So on that note, let's shift gears here because what I really brought you on the podcast for was your org chart. I was scrolling through a group one day, one of the Facebook groups, there's a discussion about org charts. Mike drops his up there and I'm like, wow, that is an awesome org chart. And I know that so many trades businesses don't have an org chart at all when it is a simple one-page diagram that is not too complicated to make and can make a whirlwind of difference in your company. So Mike, uh, I think we'll have to link to the actual org chart 
below the podcast player here in the show notes. So I'll be sure to put a link into it in the editing and put that in there so you guys can all see it. But his, his org chart is one page. It's condensed into one page. And what really stands out about it, besides that it's nice, clean, laid out very well, is at the top of the org chart is our clients. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that. But Mike, well, what year did you start Triton Air and what year did you implement the org chart? I Just my intuition tells me, you know, from my own experience in business and seeing other people go through the process that you didn't start with an org chart. No, I definitely didn't. You know, I started as a contractor, mm-hmm. not so much as a business owner. Right. And real quick, what year was this? I started in 2001. I started my 2001. And had you been doing AC before that? Yes, I was a technician. Okay, so you were a technician at that point, got your license, you're going out on your own. 2001. That's correct, yep. So 2001 started the business, 2003 we incorporated, and probably by about 2012, that's when I recognized that there it was time for me to start getting more organized and start thinking forward with the organization. And that started my transition with the help of others and mentors getting getting that ball rolling to where I could I could start planning and kind of forward thinking. So there was a lot there was a lot of things that a lot of benefits that came out of the process for sure besides just the benefits to the team. And we can go over those. So in 2011-2012 where you started, you know, looking at things as more of a leader and pulling in this org chart, how many people did you guys have on staff at that point? Probably about 15. About 15. Okay. So 15 is Definitely a point where you're you're running into some management issues if you don't have roles dialed down. That's kind of where it's like a threshold. You know, you kind of grow. You know, you can balloon up real quick and get to about 15. But if you don't have things dialed in at that point, you know, then things start run amok and you run run into the bad people on the on the team and all these other problems. I, I've spoken a lot about it. I don't know what you're talking about, Corey. <laughs> You're, you're, you're running like an eight ring circus with a bunch of baboons, you know, <laughs> when you've got, you know, 15 people and very little management infrastructure in place. And I mean, I'll say that I even was at a larger size than that before I really started getting organized. And I'm not alone, probably, you know, 90% of the people over 15 employees and even those under it don't have an org chart. And well, that's where you run into problems or that's where it's like you wake up, you probably know what I'm talking about. And it's like, well, this starts before you wake up. This starts going to sleep. You can't go to sleep because you're afraid of what you're going to wake up to. Right. Right. You know, I've had many nights like that laying in bed and it's just like, all right, what do I got tomorrow? And it's just like, oh, I know this is going to happen. I know Jim's not showing up. I know this is going to be a mess. I know somebody's going to leave without having the right stuff on their truck. And you're like, holy moose. You're like, I can't do this. I can't do this forever. Yeah, I hear that. So that, that was that was the pre, pre-2011, 2012 era. Was there any you know, like epiphany reason that you decided to implement an org chart? Was this something that a mentor told you, you read about or? Working with business coaches and they were, they were, you know, guiding me and and I'd read about it as well through different, different best practice groups. And, and I knew it was time. So did a lot of research on it, trying to find out something that I could use that I already had to, to lay it out. And, and it was funny because I came across Microsoft PowerPoint as the platform to do it, which was really odd. I was, you know, I was trying to do it in Word or something of that nature. And or paying did. for some, you know, program like Ultra Org Chart 9.0 kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, and it turns out for whatever reason, Microsoft decided to put this 
development of the software into into the the PowerPoint. So that's that's where that's what I used. So there's an actual template in Microsoft Office for an org chart. Yes. Oh wow, I never knew that. Okay. And you're But again, it it's in PowerPoint. Yeah. It's weird. I don't get it, but that's what they <laughs> Yeah, PowerPoint is I've found recently to be like an incredibly simple graphic design tool. You know, everyone thinks about it for presentations, but if you ever want to just make like a graphic of some sort or, you know, do like a mock-up to convey your idea to the designer, it's actually a pretty killer tool because you can put shapes in pretty easily. You can change colors around. You can kind of knock something out in a couple minutes that is halfway decent or at least reflects your idea so you can forward it on to another designer. So you used it to make your org chart. And I was actually shocked when you said that because that was one of the first things I asked when I first connected with Mike. I'm like, how did you make this org chart? And he's like, PowerPoint. I'm like, oh, I never thought of it. But yeah, that all makes sense. And I can see, I can see how it works out. Yeah. So let's hear this. How different from today was your initial org chart? Was it, I mean, did you, did you map it out? And it's pretty much stayed the same or has this changed over time? It's definitely changed. I've done it, a, you know, I've re, remapped it a few different times. You know, first it was starting off as as an org chart as to what I have. Mm -hmm. Then it went to an org chart as to what I envision what we're going to need. And in situations where that person didn't exist or we weren't able to hire hire that person or we didn't have room for that person, well, then the the face of the person that's going to be handling that task is basically going to go into that position. So even if the org chart isn't an accurate depiction what is happening today, if you have a vision of what you're going to need, then you can create that out. And that's what the, the cool part of the, of the process that I found was, is it really helped me stop and think and, and think forward as to, okay, how many, how many team members am I going to need? Who's going to do what? And how can I get my faces out of some of these spaces? So it helps you start to organize your thoughts in that, in that process. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you realize, well, one thing that I noticed when I did is it helped me realize exactly how much I do. Like, there's this, there's this, there's this. And you're like, holy hell, I do a lot. And then at that point, you can start realizing, well, now I can delegate this to so-and-so and I can delegate that out to so-and-so or I can consolidate these and make it a new position and so on. Yeah. And I know for myself, I'm a visual guy and I think most people are. And that's where the org chart really helps you kind of wrap your head around what's coming or what needs to come or where you're at and just kind of organize your thoughts in a way, in a visual way. Absolutely. I, I 110% agree. So now that you've got a visual org chart, I mean, let's talk about how that impacted your staff. Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple neat things about it that, that help out. So we have it, we have like a, I don't know if you've ever seen, like they have these photo screens that you can buy that like you can give to someone and it's got an SD card in it. Some of them have SD cards, some of them are Wi-Fi, but it's essentially the ones that we have in the office, they hang in the hallway and it, it's a Wi-Fi frame, picture frame, basically. You can upload documents to it. You can upload photos to it. And what it allows us to do is just update our org chart digitally. We just send it to the frame. So that's, that's how we, that's how we display it in the office. And so when you update it, you, send it through to the frame and then everybody sees it. And you've, you've got this hanging up on a wall in the front or something. It's just in the hallway. Yeah. Just in, the hallway. Mm -hmm. in a common, in a common area of the office where everybody can see it. And it doesn't have to be like a huge, big TV, you know, can, ours is, you know, probably about 20 inches by 
14 inches or something. It's nothing, nothing major, but it works. And when we, when we go through and we do an onboarding process with someone that's new to the team, the way ours is set up works out really well because everybody's photo in the PowerPoint software allows you to actually input images into each box. So that works out really well. So you can, you can actually see the team member that's there with their name on it and what it is that that position is, what they do. And so when, when we bring someone on board, we can express to them, if you ever have a question about who to talk with or who, who to report to or who to reach, if you need answers or if a client needs answers or whatever the case is, just go to the org chart and go take a peek and, and it'll help show you the direction to go and who to speak with. And it, it just, it creates comfort. It also communicates confidence for the person because they're able to relax a little and, and not feel like it's, it's an unorganized mess. And so that, that helps with them just kind of settling in and having a better transition to the company. And one other thing that I think that it, another benefit that it offer, offer, offers our team members is they know where they are and they know if they want where they may want to go. Absolutely. It puts a reference point and, well, a reference point to where they are, but also shows them, hey, this is what I can progress to and shows that there is actually room for growth at the company, that they're not going to be an installer or a CSR forever if they want you know, to progress. There is a role. Yep. And what's the value on that? That's priceless. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It's pretty huge, you know, especially in our industry. You and I were talking earlier, and it's it's hard to find good people. Absolutely. And once you once you once you're holding hands with them, you know you, you don't want them to start thinking, you know what, this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I need to go somewhere else or do something else or you know people can lose hope if they don't if they can't see. And if we if we if us as business owners if we have a hard time ourselves seeing the future and the and a vision of the future, and we need a tool to put that in in an image to to wrap our heads around it well we we owe it to our team to provide that for them so that they can see where they can go and what the opportunities are for them and they can start planning and thinking ahead 100% agree i mean like it was business owners we've got all the ideas in our heads so often and sometimes you know i'll note things out but nothing works as well to convey it to other people as putting it together in a simple one page visual diagram you know, and it, to us, it might seem like, well, why don't, why do I need to do it? I see it all in my head, but just saying what you see in your head to other people doesn't work nearly as strongly as creating a simple one page 2d diagram, just like this org chart. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a great tool for us and it, and it definitely, it definitely helps communicate in, in many layers of the company. Let me ask, do you talk about salary and pay in relation to the org chart, like when you've got a new hire, either when you're hiring or when you're onboarding, do you say, okay, well, you are here and you are making $20 an hour. Next level would be this and there you're going to make 24 to $28 an hour. So we are currently, we don't have that structure 100% in place. We're about 50% there. We're building that structure out as we speak, where, we're, where we have different level technicians and so we have a level one, level two, and level three tech it provides them with, with an idea as, and same with install teams, it provides them kind of an idea of where they can, where they can go. But I hadn't thought about putting that into the org chart. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. That's one of the things that we do 
and I, I would do in any company that I operate. But one of the things that nobody really thinks of this here, I guess is kind of what I need to preface this by saying. Everyone's like, well, a technician is a technician. But as owners, we know that a technician isn't really a technician. There are some of them that we rely on. Some of them we know will be an actual manager, coordinator, supervisor. And the new ones that we just hire, well, yes, they might be a technician. Or we might call them an apprentice. But they're really, you know, they really just need to prove themselves and show that they're punctual and reliable for the first three months and willing to learn. So what you can do beyond the org chart is further break it down in each position and you can assign each position a level, as, as you were saying there, Mike. And big corporations do this, you know, they'll have, I don't know, like cashier one, cashier two, cashier three, with a slight pay increase along along the progress, but you jot down the progress that needs to be made to achieve the next step. And that can really flesh out an org chart. Because I know when you're just looking at a one-page diagram, you know, even in a scalable company like Mike's, you're like, well, you know, I don't know if I can really progress. There's not enough levels. Am I really going to go from there to there? Break it down. It doesn't have to necessarily be in an org chart. It could be in an operating manual and say, okay, we've got a technician three, then you go to a technician two, then you go to a technician one. And then from there, you go on up to install manager, field supervisor, dispatch coordinator, or whatever the role happens to be. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea. Yeah, I thought about putting that in the chart. We do have kind of like a path that we, we have a document on that, that, that can show them kind of what progression they can have. But putting it on the org charts, kind of, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've looked at the same thing and our org chart doesn't actually have it on there because... Well, we tried to condense it into one page, just as yours does. You can't break out you know, multiple levels at each role and fit that onto one page. But on the back end, in our actual documents, we've got that noted out and we can say, okay, hey, right now you're starting out as a technician, you're a technician level three. What, we, what we're looking for here is that A, you're learning quickly, B, you're making the customers happy, the customers like you, C, you're showing up every day and on time, you know, and not, you know, not really causing any mayhem. Because for the first three months when you've got a green person, that's really all you can expect for the most part. It's not really until three months and that's optimistic because there's a lot of people that don't even make it through the three months in our company that, that, that anybody will actually start producing any revenue. At that point, they're just trainee. You know, that, that's just our cost of hiring is what we're looking at it. Let me ask, what does your onboarding process look like? Because we kind of segued here into hiring, and I just alluded to the fact that you, you've got to build people up. That's the one thing that's been successful in my business for my partner and I. We've never really had any success hiring outsiders and bringing them in and putting them into any type of management role. We, we start everybody assumingly at the bottom, and we will train them all the way up. Occasionally, we find somebody with some experience that fits our company culture and what we're looking for, and they're a dime a dozen, you know. So we, we start from the from the bottom. What does your onboarding process look like? And are you following the same the same process and mentality to hiring? Are you looking for experienced techs or are you going from the bottom up? Yeah, so we, we do both. If we can find an experienced technician that meets our culture, fantastic. But we do training here five days a week in our company. So every morning at 7 a.m., 6.45 in the morning, we're we're doing training, whether it be for the install team. Install, I believe we're, we're training three days a week. Service, we're training twice a week. We've got a sales team that we train twice a week. And so we're, we're constantly, you know, as 
as leaders in our company and as the management team, we're constantly wanting to raise our team up and provide them with opportunities to grow. And, and we, we love promoting from within. In fact, all the management here, none of them were hired in. All of our management team basically grew from the ground up in the company, which is really, really cool. Right on. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to see and, and they appreciate it and I appreciate it. And, you know, it's, it's great because that's a big part of my purpose really for being here is, is providing opportunity for people where, where they can grow. I know when I started in the business, I worked for a company and, you know, they, I was, I was an apprentice and I I'd just gotten out of college for HVAC for a couple of years and there was no opportunity there. There was no growth. And within, within a year's time, I knew that there, I knew more than, than their lead tech did. And I had no experience, but I had the schooling behind it. And so it was very frustrating for me just to be in a place where, where I knew there was no opportunity to grow. And so, and I've been in other organizations where there was no training at all. It was just like, here's the keys back then. Here's your paper <laughs> and go, you know, and, and call me when you need help. And that's, that's the way they operated. So we've, in the past few years, we've really taken on a different approach with, with the onboarding process, especially for team members that have zero experience. We have those different levels that I was sharing with you. So we have our level one and it, it, it's, it's a, it's a document that's probably, I don't know, I think it's about 60 pages long. And what it does is it creates, it creates a, a training path as to encompassing all the different things. So let's say if it was a, if it was a residential maintenance technician, what it does is it talks about, okay, this is how, this is what's expected of you. These are your in-home. These are the expectations for, for how you behave in the home, how you treat customers, how you speak with clients. This is how you, this is from start to finish, how you will go and do the call from how you manage the software to how you arrive at the door to what you do when you walk in the door to what every step of that maintenance process is to how you leave, how you ask for a review, all these different things. These, this whole process is documented out. So that's part of the document. And then additionally, they need to know about components. They need to know how these things work. They need to know about tools. They need to know how to use those tools. So in this document, what we have is we have a list of, I'm on Service Titan. And one cool little hack that, that I came across is, is you, can, you can create a proposal in Service Titan, okay? And you can email it through, through, the, through the software and you get like a web page, right? That graphical display of the, of the component and the description, right? And so what you can do is, is you can create that proposal and of all the components that that maintenance tech is going to be using. And then you can email it to yourself. You can copy all the images and the descriptions of those components. And the way ours is set up is it kind of gives the benefits and what it does in the part. And then you can take that, copy it, and paste it into this document that I'm talking about. And you can save it as a PDF. You can put hyperlinks in for instruction manuals. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. And it allows them just to see what the part looks like, see the description of the part and what we call it, see the benefits of the part, and then also have a link to how to install the part. And it's all right there in the document. It's a PDF that they can do on their iPad. They can click on it and, and just drill right down and see what they need. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we've got this kind of set up so that, you know, with our onboarding for a maintenance tech in this case, we're going to sit down with them. And then at the end, after they've gone over it, they've gone through the training, they've done all this. Now they're going to sit down and they're going to sit with either myself or the service manager. And, the, and we have specific questions and answers that they've, they've got to hit. That was going to be my next question. Is there a test on it? There is. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know that, that they know what's going on and, and what's happening. At the same time, they're riding along with technicians and, and actually getting hands-on experience and going through that process at the same time. How long into it until you get them to actually do that test? And then what happens after they do the test, so to say? So it's a case-by-case situation. We've got some technicians that are there on it. I mean, we've got some guys that... A couple of weeks? Well, a couple of weeks is probably a little quick, but like we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't put someone in the field that fast if they had zero experience. But we definitely, we definitely have, I don't recall what the, what the time, what the minimum time frame is. We have it dictated out in the, in this level one process for a maintenance tech. But, you know, we want, we want them to be able, and we, we could have one guy that picks it up really, really fast. And it's just a great communicator, mechanically sharp, and, and is able to apply himself and study and pick things up in, in a month's time. And we might have another tech that it takes three months. But, you know, they're, we're seeing progress and, the, and they're moving forward. So it just depends. Everybody's different. I know in, in the classroom setting, that's for schools, it's the same way, right? So yep. everybody learns at different paces and different rates. Absolutely. How many, well, how many people have you ran through the training process at this point? And how many would you say, you know, what is your kind of drop-off rate? How many people, you know, don't make it beyond a few months? As far as a drop-off rate, we've had pretty good success with it. We don't have a lot of, of people. Now, that could be a sign. That could be a, a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, you know, that we're not cutting our, our losses before, before we should. So my problem is probably because I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic person. I believe in people. It's my greatest weakness and my greatest strength. So it's hard to say as far as drop-off rates. I mean, if someone's not picking it up within three months and, and we have no confidence that they're going to be able to to do what they need to do. And we've had them go through the tests and we've had them do right along, you know, we've done right alongs with them on, on maintenances and they're just not picking it up at that point in time. We're, we're going to be cutting our losses, but it hasn't been, we haven't had a lot of that. Maybe we're just lucky right now. <laughs> just lucky keeping them on board. Now that sounds like it's working for you. You're certainly, well, you're certainly doing well with it. So Props to that. Kudos. Yeah, thank you. Now, before we wind it down here, I want to shift gears back to the actual org chart itself. For somebody that's out there listening that needs to create an org chart, I mean, I think we've already established the value and the power in actually having an org chart. I don't know how to say it other than it's priceless. And you just heard us. And to kind of recap, you know, you, you get clearer lines of communication. You establish who's responsible for what. You show your employees that you've actually got a path for growth and that they've got somewhere to grow. But how do you go about making your org chart, right? You have no org chart, Mike. What's your advice for somebody out there that wants to, you know, turn off this podcast, get to work making their org chart? Where do they start? Well, I can share with you how I started and what worked well for me. So basically, I just did bubbles on a piece of paper. And, you know, one thing that PowerPoint didn't provide is an upside down org chart. So I, I kind of, I would, I would prefer my org chart to be upside down just because it's more of a servant type rule. Also crap flows downhill. So, <laughs> 
but that wouldn't work with having the clients because we don't want the clients at the bottom. So that's true. So in my org chart, we put our clients at the top. Everybody, including myself, we report to our clients. They they're number one. So you know, just start start with yourself, and you know you know what you're doing. But in your head, kind of picture. Okay, these are the tasks that that I've either read about. I've heard about, you know, you could probably do a Google search really quick and say, okay, what, what are the typical positions that are in an HVAC company? And that would be a good start where it would probably give you a list of different roles and titles in a, in a company. But I'm sure, you know, you can start thinking about that. Okay, am I going to have, am I going to have a service manager? Am I going to have a maintenance manager? Am I going to have an install manager? And then just kind of start with that and, and figure out, okay, if I've got four or five technicians, am I going to have time? to manage them. And then if I'm going to have a couple install teams, am I going to have time to manage them while doing sales and doing all these other things? It's not likely. So start, you know, ask yourself realistic questions. Like if you're already stretched thin, like, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to need other people to help you along with this journey. And a big part of success is knowing that you can't do it alone. Right. So in your head, just visualize, okay, I've got, I've got certain team members I'm going to need their support with and just start with that. Just start looking at that and seeing how you can, how you can lay that out. I'm sure there's a lot of mathematical ways of doing it where you could say different, different ratios of, of certain team members to certain report that they need to report to. But that, that's, that's how I did it. I just visually kind of thought about the company and also, even small things like part-time positions are important for you to, to put on that org chart because as you grow, that part-time position can turn into a full-time position. And that's happening with me right now with marketing. So, you know, I want to get someone on board. I want to get marketing off my plate and or more off my plate and let them let someone else deal with a lot of the marketing things as we're growing our Triton side of the business. And you know, I need someone that specializes in that, who can concentrate on that and think about it more. And right now I have a spot on the org chart for marketing part-time. That person could also be a CSR or inside sales or someone doing happy calls or whatever it is. But that person is a, that's part-time position is going to be for marketing. And so put those part-time positions in as well. And that helps you realize all the different, all the different jobs that need to take place in the, in the organization and just spread them out that way and just start connecting the dots. You've got, okay, I've got 14 for us. We've got 14 install team or 14 installers, right? So, okay. How many of those are going to be leads? How many of those are going to be apprentices? Who are they going to report to is the person that they report to? Do they need help? Do they need assistance? And then who does that person report to? And just, you can either work from the bottom up or you can work from the top down, either which way, it doesn't really matter, but just kind of figure out the flow of how things are going to go. Just start with putting the pen to paper and bubbles on a blank white sheet. Yep. I think that's the, I think that's the best way. That's, that's what I did. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Mike, thanks for sharing the insight on that. And thanks for joining me on the Home Pro Success, not the Home Pro Success Show anymore. Uh, <laughs> you guys might not know this, or some of you might have seen it depending on when we publish it, but the name is changing to Contractor Momentum. So Mike, thanks for joining me on the Contractor Momentum podcast. Hey, Corey, thanks for having me. Have a good time today. Appreciate it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Contractor Momentum Podcast. If you'd like to discuss your org chart or have any questions for Mike or I, head on over to the Facebook group, the Home Pro Marketing and Sales Lounge, and drop a new post. 
Look for a link somewhere below this podcast episode in the show notes. You've reached the end of another episode of the Home Pro Success Podcast. Connect with us and join our collaborative Facebook group at homeprosuccess.com.